Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And the show starts now. Today's guest is Cameron Logan, host of My Alien Life podcast. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, right? So if you like extraterrestrials, quantum physics, all that stuff, you will love this podcast, right? He has people, he interviews people that worked at Area 51, you know, specialists, people that have been abducted by UFOs and uh, yeah, crazy stuff. I love it. Highly recommend it. My Alien Life podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Tired? Hmm? Craving an energy drink, but you don't want to feel shitty and jittery afterwards? Well, try Dubby. Dubby Energy has this neural factor. It's a patented all-natural coffee cherry extract to help fuel you. Yeah, this ingredient is what gives Dubby its laser focus and fast reflex effects, making it perfect for gamers. So, whether it's just had a long night, you know, just need some energy to go to work, Maybe a pre-workout or you want to get some gaming done, Dubby is for you. I highly recommend this. And they got some amazing flavors as well. Uh, Very creative too, such as Dragonade, right? Dragonberry and Lemonade, Um, Galaxy Grenade, Beach and Peach. Yes, delicious. It's basically Kool-Aid that gets you pumped. So what the hell are you waiting for? Check them out at Dubby.gg. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Yeah, and guess what? And for 10% off, at checkout, enter this coupon code, right? I got you. It's Screaming Chewy SH, all right? All together, caps. Screaming Chewy SH. And yeah, you got 10% off. Dobie, check them out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. And I'd like to welcome a special guest, fellow podcaster, Cameron Logan. How you doing, Cameron? Good. How you been? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Busy. You know the drill. I've been listening to your show. Thanks, man. I like that uh you had Bruce Valanche. He's a guy that that um I don't know, he's been around a long time and he's kind of does a lot of behind the scenes, but he's also a comedian and those are the things kind of interesting to hear him and um especially with you i think thanks man he he's a crazy guy man he's fun he's he's wild <laughs> so how did you how did you come about that one i mean that was cuz he's not you don't see him i mean he used to be on like hollywood squares and and did a bunch of other things but you don't hear him much and i think he produces something or another i'm not sure what he came out on the simpsons 
yeah, South yeah. Park made fun of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, so I, I knew his publicist, uh, Steve Joyner. Right. He's I think old. it's fun. It's fun to have people like that because, um, you know, it's like you have somebody like I don't know who, but it's some some B list, A list celebrities, and and it's kind of the same thing all the time. And um, yeah, yeah, I've had a couple of those, and I really enjoyed it. I think that's some of my favorites having somebody that um, you know, that I don't get to see that often, know relatively little about, but I know that they're out there in the background somewhere, and it's nice to find out what they're doing. Yeah, man, you've had some interesting guests as well, bro. On your other podcast, um, you had that guy that was Creed in the office. You had some interesting people. No, not Creed. It was um, oh my god, you're putting me on the spot. It's <laughs> it's a uh, um Bob Vance. Yes. Yeah, Vance Appliance and Refrigeration. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and you know, I mean, it was that like took nothing. Just asked me, and um. He was like all over it and, and happy to do it. And he asked, actually, at the end of it, he goes, um, because I was talking about my son and he said, because my son is a big fan of the office. And he said, uh, well, I'm going to send your, your son something. So give me your address. So he gave my, I gave him my address and he sent me or sent my son. I don't know. Just he, he made the thing on his computer, like um, some pictures of him and stuff and printed it out on his computer and signed it. And so it was pretty personal and oh damn yeah, unique you know mm-hmm. so yeah you stumble across that and it it um makes a lot more fun because you know sometimes it, it gets a little bit dry and um it's hard to keep the wheels spinning sometimes when when um it's kind of like deja vu <laughs> right Every, you put on the headphones you know yep and it's crazy. You never know what they're going to talk about, right? Like, I had a Scotty Page. He played saxophone with Pink Floyd. Wow. And um, I thought he was going to talk about his whole music career, but he spent, like, the whole episode talking about NFTs and cryptocurrency. Like, he was all into that. <laughs> really? <laughs> I wonder if he's still into it. Right? <laughs> and he explained it well, but, like, I, I still couldn't wrap my, wrap my mind around it, bro. It's like, I don't know. I couldn't get it. You know, I think if you can't wrap your mind around it, that's good because it's safer. Um, I mean, you know, in light of what's happened in the last couple of months, you know, <laughs> right. especially in the last month. And, um, you know, that's scary. A lot of people are out of, out of, out of a lot of money. And, um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Bitcoin of course is a <clears throat> huge success story, but is it, I don't know. I mean, if you had Bitcoin, there's a story about the guy who had um, this PC and he threw it away and um, he's been like out there for years now in this dump looking for this PC because he had a bunch of Bitcoin on it. And I think it's a true story. I don't think it's an urban myth. I mean, I think it, I think it really happened. And I think he's out there like daily, you know, because he had this Bitcoin, which, which was worthless, threw away this old PC and, um, you know, it turned out it had to be like how, how many years or months or whatever later, but it was supposed to be worth over $60 million. Oh. So yeah, that mess with your head, you know, like oh. throwing, throwing away the lottery ticket for real, bro. That, Oh my God. God damn. I'm so superstitious. I buy a lot of lottery tickets. I buy, I buy like three a week. 
Really? You ever had any luck with them? No. <laughs> or like even the scratchers or anything like that? You know, um, I remember a long time ago, I got in a, on the NCAA Final Four, and I won 50 bucks. And on the same day, I scratched a $50 ticket. And um, I didn't buy many. And years later, I started buying them a lot. And, um, you know, I took in, I, I just let them pile on my dash. And one day, I took in like 10, and I hit eight of them, eight tickets in a row at the at the convenience store however um my total haul was 16 dollars <laughs> you know with eight tickets i was like eight out of ten that's that's unheard of because you know i have i have some in my car right now and and now i have an app on my phone i just check them really quick and um i i don't even remember the last time i even got a dollar <laughs> so you know is it worth it no it's not worth it um i wish i had that money back and i could do something with it now but, but yeah it already happened, man. I mean, you never yeah. don't know. I mean, people get lucky, bro. There was this one guy that he actually won the lottery and the news wanted him to recreate it. Mm-hmm. So he went to the same store, bought another ticket, and they're re- recording him. And as he's recreating it, he fucking wins again, bro. Right. <laughs> so, I have an aunt that lives back east and, and they've won twice. And um, one, of the, one of them was a lot. And they do it, they have a, a system that they use that they got a, a book or something like that. And, um, you know, they're, they're, and I don't even know how it works, but she, I, I rarely see her, but she talks about it a lot. But um, literally, I mean, they, they went through every bit of money that they had and were asking um, for a loan, you know, oh. not long after. So there's that, but. I did buy a ticket for this one. What was it last night? Yeah, I didn't check it. It was it was about a billion for the for the um God, I can't even think. It's not the Powerball. It's the other one, the big one. Billion bucks, billion dollars. Fuck. God damn! Imagine the taxes on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you can get the the multiplier. You pay what it's a dollar extra and it'll double your your winning so you could actually win two billion dollars so you could theoretically take a billion home i'm not sure if anybody got it but i didn't i didn't check my ticket i completely forgot about it do you mind if i run in my car for no i'm kidding right y'all be back you know i'm kind i kind of hope i don't win the lottery because if i do i'll probably end up like chris farley can you imagine though the, the the initial anxiety you would have for like because so first of all, you get it and then you have to go like um, I'm in Montana, so I have to go to Helena, Montana. So that's like a five hour drive, you know, in the winter. And then um, then what do you do with the check? You know, did you what bank do you put it in? You know, what do you do with it? Um, so there's that. And then I know people have have waited a while before they went into the lottery office and then sat on that ticket until they got their ducks in a row and had a lawyer and whatever. But then again, you know, the, it's like that, the, the paper that it comes off of is that heat thermal paper. I've had them in the windshield of my car and came out and they're just all black. You know, I mean, you could, almost anything could happen, you know, and you're right, you know, and, and, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking, but you know, It'd be pretty exciting, but pretty nerve wracking. You're right, bro. I never thought about that. Sure, everybody be calling you. 
cousins, aunts, uncles. Hey, friend. <laughs> right. Right. People you wouldn't expect to call you, but. Yeah, for real, man. I mean, billion dollars. You probably would never spend that in your whole life, you know? It'd be tough, you know, and I think, you know, you could you could pre- pretty much solve, you know, the hunger problem in America and a few other little countries. Mm-hmm. But when was the last time you had ever heard of anybody that did that? No. Yeah. No, I don't even know. So, you know, would I? I, yeah, I would love to, but I'm I'm hoping I would be a big enough person to do that. Donate it to feed the children. Maybe you something. make it to heaven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> something, yeah. Free free pass. <laughs> <laughs> right? Be like, hey, God, hear me out now. <laughs> So you're in um you're in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that, what's that like? Um, I like it, man. I mean, it's really hot in the summer, but mm-hmm. I mean, if you got AC in your car in your house, you're good, bro. So what part of Arizona? I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Oh yeah, I was there once, and um, I went down. I'd never been to Mexico before, so my brother and I were in Phoenix, and we went to we drove down, and um, you know, you don't get much of a taste. You know, Gallus of Mexico, but I mean, nonetheless, mm-hmm. I, I can say I was there and um, I'm kind of a people person. So, you know, being in Montana, there's not a lot of diversity, so we don't get to really meet anybody, a lot of people that, you know, that, you know, internationally, especially back then, you know, I, I really, you know, I went to college and I got to meet, you know, some people that, you know, from out of the country and, and whatever. And, um, Right now in Montana, we're having this huge building boom. I mean, it's crazy. Right now where I live, it's so expensive. And um, a lot of guys are coming up from Mexico or wherever they're from. They're they're Mexicans and they're they're working here. And, you know, so I get to see them all the time, you know, and like in the morning, the convenience store and, and um, you know, the, the clerk that works at this convenience store is speaking Spanish. And that's so cool. I, I just never heard that, you know, and it's just, it's just such a nice thing to hear in the morning and and these people are so i mean the sweetest people in the world i mean it's just yeah. so nice and and um so yeah I, someday i'd like to take a trip back to mexico but um tucson was was cool you know everybody from montana um who's over the age of 60 is in down there you know in the winter time and the population yep. i know just explodes i what's so what's that like to have all those people come just show up everywhere uh more traffic <laughs> more traffic in the winter yeah i can't even imagine i know that um I know a guy that i know is complaining about getting his mail because the the some post office that he uses um they have a trailer house annex to it that they had to move in and um because they ran out of space and uh he said normally in the in the in the summertime there's nobody there it's just you know there's a town of 4,000 people, they get their mail there. But in the wintertime, there's like 26,000 people, you know? So, um, you know, they're just, they're just putting all these postal workers to task and they're working their asses off, you know, for, for vacationers. So yeah, I always wondered what that was like down there. I've never, never been at that time of the year. That's pretty cool. And I mean, you know, since we're an hour away from the border, like the drugs are good. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would guess. Yeah, that's they're fresh. Yep, yep. <laughs> I had a buddy. This is a long time ago when I used to party. 
had a buddy. He came from from New York. And um, he tried the coke down here. Fuck, man, he got hooked on it. He was getting an eight ball every week. I'm like, slow down, bro. So what's that? What kind of cost is that? I mean, um, what, is so, it a lot of money? I wouldn't have any idea. It'll be like 150 bucks, maybe 200 bucks. Wow. But it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we, so we went down to, uh, drove from Phoenix through, um, tucson and and then hit the border and then when it was dark we came back and um i was telling my brother you know we got we got uh we weren't to phoenix yet and there was a a pull-off and a rest area i said we should stop there i've never been out on the desert at night you know and and so we pulled over just all these weirdos in the in the, at the rest area and we started walking out on the desert and all these lights came on like in several different places and i could see people running out there through the desert you know and there was there was um border patrol chasing people and i thought man is this what this is like every night i mean it can't be but then again you know we hear on the news it must must be and and um but i thought this is so cool i i felt bad that we couldn't take anybody with us but what is the most dangerous book you have ever read? How about Mein Kampf by the notorious leader of the Nazis, Adolf Hitler? Or the book the Beatles warn us about in their classic song, Revolution? Quotations from Chinese Communist leader, Chairman Mao. Maybe you would hide your copy of Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Or even semi-fictional works like Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses. That book had him living in hiding from angry Muhammad followers. But what about a book that is most likely not only dangerous to own and read, but could very well be illegal in many countries? Roderick Edwards' book, How to Overthrow Our Government, takes the reader on a historical and hypothetical journey of revolution, civil war, and sedition. From ancient Chinese farmers turning their farm tools into weapons, to the attempted impeachment of the U.S. President Trump, this book has it all. Get it today before it's banned forever. didn't have the opportunity but damn i sure would have yeah i had a buddy he would live in it's called three points and it's on the outskirts of town there's a lot of desert over there a lot of land and people that cross illegally they pass through there and he's found like random backpacks like with like bags of weed in them and like just random shit just thrown there (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy yeah i i um I can't even imagine. I grew up on the Canadian border. Oh, nice. People would come across, but not like, not like there, you know, there was, you know, and it was pretty tight and they, way we catch a lot of people and it would, wouldn't really be newsworthy, but you know, they weren't catching hundreds a day. They were catching, you know, maybe one a month. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's quite different there. And then also like where I live, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure. So, you know, if you crossed into the United States, you're Canadian. I don't even know what, why you would do that. I mean, <laughs> you're leaving a perfectly good country with probably right now more opportunity up there than, than there is here, but people do. I mean, it's, it's a crazy world, but, um, is, it was interesting. And, and, you know, all our high school teachers, not all of them, but some of them would, they, um, work there on the border in the summer. So, you know, we, as students, you know, we, drinking in, in Alberta is, is 18. So, you know, we'd be like in the spring of our senior year, you know, we'd go crossing the border and 
there was a bar there right on the other side of the border. And <clears throat> so they would always give us a bad time when we were coming back. And, <laughs> we weren't breaking the law, man. Hey, it's legal over there, right? You did nothing wrong. Uh, 18 years old, but it seems that seems pretty young now. Mm-hmm. For real. For real. Yeah. Because I, I knew when I was 18, it wasn't something that, that, you know, I was ever in control of. And it was more in control of me. So I kind of abstained from it. Good boy. But, but no, it's, you know, Montana is a different place to live. And, and um, it's huge. I, I haven't been to all of it. So one of these days I'll check always, it all out. I always wanted to go over there, man. There's a, I just picture a lot of pine trees, mountains and stuff, a lot of land. You know, on the West side, it is, you know, the continental divide runs from Canada all the way down to you, you know? And, um, so, you know, I live right next to the continental divide. So it's, there's, you know, out, out to the West, a lot of mountains. I live in a Valley, so it's mountains all around, but big, the big Rocky mountains just to the West of a couple miles from me. And, um, so, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I never really fully appreciate until I'm gone. You know, I leave and go somewhere else and, um, you know, and come back and it's like, wow, this is pretty, pretty nice. And, you know, I, my drive to work is pretty spectacular and I don't really pay much attention to it. You know, um, take it for granted. What's funny is that so in Arizona and Montana, there's like a high number of UFO sightings as well. It's like it's like they like the land, you know, like I don't you know, and I don't know what happened to Montana because Montana was. You know, always I think I think per capita. It's low, like so that MUFON, I get that MUFON newsletter thing by email, and I'm not even sure how often it comes seems like about once a week, but I just posted it two days ago on, on my uh, Facebook account. And it's the UFO account by country and by state. Oh, so Montana in the last uh, month, there was only two in December. Oh, damn, man. What the hell? I know. And, and you know, where I grew up, um, it was, it was, you know, widely known. And lots of people saw lots of things and, um, but it seems like it, you know, California seeing like way too many. And, um, I don't know if they just have a bigger population. They're crazier than, than we are or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, California, there's the top of the list. And I didn't, I don't remember, um, Arizona and how they did, but, uh, but yeah, we, you know, even as, as kids and, I've told the story a million times, but, um, you know, just seeing stuff as kids and, uh, um, talking about it and we'd have our little UFO club and everybody would, um, we talk about it at school, but, uh, yeah, California, 51, Texas, 37. And then there's really not a lot, you know, they're all just double digits, low double digits, 19, 17, 13. Damn. Um, I thought there'd be a lot more. I don't even see Arizona on the list. What's going on down there? Nothing. Nothing's in the sky. Damn. Wow. Idaho I, nine. You think Idaho? Yeah, Arizona's not on the list. Must be where I cut cut the bottom on my list. It must be either zero or one because the last few are are just one. So that's not very many, man. Yeah, they're moving on. 
They forgot about us. Oh, I'm sorry. They're right in the middle of 13. So that's a respectable number. I'm wrong. 13, 13, North Carolina. So, yeah. And, you know, one one of the other things, too, is our, our night sky is a lot brighter than it used to be. Oh, shit. Every year it gets brighter. There's more street lights, and and um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it at all. But um, you know when and and then to me, you'd think that they would be um, be seeing more and people reporting more because you know there's Elon Musk's satellite strings, Starlink that I haven't seen that myself, but I want to see it. Um, space stations and and you know, other orbiting satellites that, that, um, give a show. And, and, um, so you'd think there would be more, but I don't know. seems a little calmer than it used to be. Right. Maybe they're just hiding it better now. Could be, could be cloaking. I mean, I can't even imagine their technology. Like, um, man, I, so I was just listening to one of your episodes when he was talking about light bending. Dude, right. That was crazy, man. So did you understand what was happening there? I, you know, here's a, here's a working guy and it, it hit me because I was listening well. And, and before the day before that, that we did that, that episode, um, just to let everybody know what it was, was about a, a gentleman who, um, um, kind of studies quantum theory and in, because he believes that the sun is projecting some sort of images sort of like through strings, like, um, fibers, sort of an optic fiber thing. So if you, an image was projected from some other star system and another planet through the sun, and then he was capturing this in a regular water bottle that you'd buy, like at the grocery store, like one of those 16.9 ounce water bottles, sun shining through there. And, Apparently, I, I don't know what he was doing when he first saw it, but he's using a paint mixer. One of those paint mixers you hook onto a big drill for a five-gallon um, jug of paint, and it basically has like a one-inch, couple of one-inch strips of metal, and his were black, and he saw this image projected onto this paint mixer. So that's what he uses, you know. And um, I'd asked him if he tried to, tried to develop something a little different and something that worked, you know, as well, but, um, you know, but the application was only for capturing these images, but, um, yeah, according to him, he's seeing aliens and yeah, like human shaped or like talk about seeing people's souls. Right. So the, the pictures I saw, I mean, there was, you know, definitely like look like grays. And then there was, this thing with golden eyes and it was pretty weird, but you know, you're talking about an image that's about a couple inches wide by about an inch tall. And, um, and then he was taking pictures of it with Logitech little 720 cam on a laptop. You know, he wasn't, didn't, it wasn't very high tech, you know, and, and, um, but you know, that's the case with a lot of things and a lot of reports and what people talk about, it's sort of that, grassroots digging in the weeds level that um, people are coming up with with strange things that um, not all of us get to see yeah man I mean dude your show I've been a huge fan since forever man and um you're very professional and 
high quality sound. I love the way you talk to people too. Um, you know, and or you just let them go, let them talk and they'll just go on their own, you know. Well, that's one thing, you know, that that's probably the best compliment I have because it's like, you know, I don't that's absolutely what I want, you know, because you know, one of the things I loved Art Bell, but Art Bell would talk. And then he would have about eight minutes of commercials, you know, and it would drive me nuts. And um, now if you, you listen to him on, um, there's an Art Bell vault and I can't, there's a website out there and they've taken the commercials out. But, and so there's not a lot there, you know, without the commercials and without, you know, when he doesn't talk, but, um, but it's interesting. And, you know, my fascination with him grew out of a, I, when I was long time ago, when I was in college, I worked at a radio station and um, it was easy listening music, elevator music. And um, just right. that a little bit of news commercials. And I would get there in the evening, usually about three o'clock and I'd work till midnight. And um, God, it was, it was so boring, you know, and then that music would put me to sleep and I was supposed to be studying. So um, we had, we had the network, whatever I, I, I think it was CBS that um, our bell was on. We only had subscribed to the news though, but when the news was over, you know, whatever talk show was on was still on there. You could listen to it. You didn't have to put it on the radio station to listen. We still played our music, but I could listen to that network all night long, which I did, you know, and Art bell was, was one of those. And they had another network with, with Larry King. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I grew up, you know, into adulthood listening to, to those, but Art Bell in particular, you know, I heard, heard every episode for, um, you know, for like, like four years, four or five years. And then, um, got a job later where I worked in the evenings, you know, and I would listen to him, get my little Sony Walkman and, uh, listen to him. It was pretty amazing. You know, it was good times, you know, even, even if you really not weren't interested in the topic, it was, he put together a good show, but yeah, my complaint was always too many commercials. You know, that always helps us, especially when you work late shifts, man. I used to listen to talk radio all the time. Best at that time, you know, I mean, it's amazing. It's fun. That's before podcasts were big. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, that was really the only thing that really got me through because, you know, I had these brain dead jobs, you know, and, and, uh, so incredibly boring and it was nice not to, when you could just strap on some headphones and zone everybody out and, you know, just forward through the night and plow through it and get done and go home. But, um, and there were, there was times, you know, and then they changed it where he was on till like almost four in the morning, I guess it was four in the morning. And, um, so I really had no problem going to the graveyard shift, you know, because since he was on, I mean, I think my life would have been a lot different than I wouldn't have done that. But, um, you know, when I got asked and it meant just a little bit more money, I did it. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, something that I wanted to emulate. Um, and I didn't really plan on, you know, doing a show like this. I wanted to be more mainstream sort of, you know, maybe rock and roll interviews, you know, cause I've had opportunity to do a couple of those and really enjoyed it. And, um, and I really like talking to people. Um, like I talked to a guy who opened for, um, oh my God, 
oh, he opened for the Ramones. So he's a punk ukulele player. He opened for the or the Ramones. And so that was pretty, pretty cool. And, you know, and these are people that are kind of been um, swept into the corner because their popularity waned and um, maybe they weren't so popular, but, you know, they did some incredible things and, and um, there's millions of them out there, you know, and it'd be nice to hear from them, but. And that'd be lit, man. A rock and roll interview podcast. Yo, you should definitely do that. Well, you know, and it's, it's doable. I, I just, um, I'll tell you what the, I got a lot of listeners from what I do and I don't even know how I, I got them. And and then when I would, I would, uh, you know, bring a guy like that on who was super interesting. They would, my listeners wouldn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Cause like, so in my show, like I don't have a certain theme or topic, like it just varies. Right. And I noticed when I do like creepy stuff or conspiracies, that's those episodes. I get more listens than like an interview or like anything else crazy and i think people search those out you know search those interviews out whereas um you know i don't like the ones that i do that weren't as popular they don't they're not looking for people like that and they they see that uh you know it's 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 a name they don't know um it's sort of rock and roll related but um you know it doesn't have anything to do with paranormal or ufos and bro your episodes with uh bj bj evans yeah that that those those have kind of kind of that that's one one of the things that kind of got me sidetracked too was the fact that i did that and um that got to be so important to me and then so weird and then all of a sudden i was you know not happy with the way things are going because um the guy was was so flighty at times that um i uh i just really had a hard time with that so i had, I had quite a gap a year gap between the when i finished that up and um it is finished i mean even if he called me tonight i'm there's no way i'm gonna do any more just because um you know and those are mine so um, i'm not saying i i stole his life story but i'm saying that uh you know you know, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, he gave me explicit permission, um, verbally and, and written. Um, so, you know, I, I did a lot of, a lot of, uh, searching, you know, for opinion because I wanted people that, um, I wanted somebody to, you know, I wanted people out there, just give me a list of people that, that have been interviewed and that we know that we can name that have been to area 51 that work there, you know, and, um, and there's not a lot of people like that, you know, and, and to me, it's a, you know, to me, it's not a, not a, a site. It's not a UFO site. I mean, I, I, to me, I, it excites me because I like these old California air bases. Um, I love old scientific institutions. I love things that have to do with the cold war and radar bases things like that and test pilots and things that, that really turns me on. I really love that. Yeah. You know, and um, to me, there's enough mystique and enough wonderment and mystery in those places that I could talk about it forever. But, you know, I just, it, it, you can't really, um, 
delve into that genre that I'm in and not have a secret airbase and put an alien in it. I mean, if you don't put the alien in it, I'm losing customers. <laughs> so why is that? I mean, it's, it's interesting itself alone, but unless you put an alien in it, then it explodes. I mean, I just love it, man. It's just, even when you talk about your own experiences and like just your guests' experiences, like some of the stuff is mind blowing, man. Like the right. episode ends and I'm still like questioning things. Like I want, I want, I need more, you know what I mean? Like it's pretty crazy, bro. Well, I love that. And you know, when I, when I um, first started, maybe the first year, the end of the first year I was getting, I mean, instant messenger, you know, I, I try to answer every message you know, and it's just blowing up all night long. It's going off. People are actually calling me on instant messenger, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, if I, if I recognize the name, I would, I would, even if, you know, if it was a Facebook friend, but you know, people would just call me on instant messenger and that kind of died down. Things changed. And I think it's because there's a lot of podcasts. I think it's because I've been allowed, um, or I, I answer, you know, my messages and stuff. And people know that if they have a question, they can they can get a hold of me, but then again, you run into the situation where um, there's some overlap. You know, there's other people doing them. You know, the guy I had on uh, Thursday night um, with the the images. He um, he's been on several podcasts, so you know it's 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 repetition for some people. A lot of people, it's new, and um, you know, there's. To me, and another another thing is that you know, the, I there's a lot too many podcasts. There's the ones I like, and um, there's um, there's guests that just are on everything, you know. And um, you're right. They're just you hear about them all the time, and um, and I'm not talking about people like Bob Lazar. You know, I'm talking about most people who who. Um, come up with some information and, and are good enough to throw a website down. And, and um, so that, you know, that's changed everything, the ability of anybody to do a website, anybody, and not a, just a website, but a decent. one. So it's changed a lot. Yeah, man. Especially nowadays, like people are more sensitive and like just information travels so fast now, like you could get canceled so easily. Like, right. right. But then again, you know, and that happens to people, but then there's people that I, I think that, you know, um, sometimes I get a little wordy and, and say certain things and yeah, I ticked people off about, you know, and when I'd say that Bob Lazar is full of shit, but I have my reasons for that, you know? And, um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, I probably, um, I probably messed with a few people who didn't want to hear that and they don't have anything to do with me anymore but for the most part it's what 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 i'm doing and and then what you do it's we can it's pretty hard to get canceled i don't you know yeah. you know unless, you know unless we did something really off the wall and you know um got arrested for some horrible thing against humanity but um you know it's it's uh people expect weird Mm -hmm. different strange i did it did an episode i talked about a news article where it was uh, these guys did a robbery and during their court case 
uh, the attorney or they got they got the evidence which was which was a shotgun, right? To present it in a courtroom and it went off and shot them in the chest, I think. And so I talked about that. And I'm like, so I guess, you know, I guess they should take the shotgun to jail, you know, guns kill, you know, just made a stupid joke. And on my Facebook page for my podcast, you know, people could review it or whatever. And this lady was so mad and she put, this guy is horrible. He makes fun of people's deaths. I'm like, well, that's the other thing too, that you don't want to make, you know, fun about guns. You know, there's, there's so many people in America. So, or so um, passionate about firearms. And I mean, even myself at one point I used to, I mean, I'm, I hunt and fish, but I, um, don't as much as I'd like, but I'm gonna again, as soon as I get more free time, but, um, yeah, I, you know, here it's, it's, um, guns are a big deal. And yeah, I had, I had owned many guns and had lots of fun and still do, you know, own them. But, uh, um, but I've never had that degree of, of passion. I never felt threatened and anybody's going to take anything that I had away. And, um, I'm the same. I have like, I have a lot of guns too, and they're fun, but like, but like you said, I've never, well, actually there's this one situation where I almost killed somebody. Almost shot somebody, but she was trying to kill my homie. Right. We were drinking and um she went crazy, bro, and she was trying to run him over. It was crazy times. <laughs> that happens here, you know. And um, you know, here it's 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 uh I think I think, you know, where I live right now, it's there's a if there's a gun crime, it's either drug related or alcohol related. And um it happens probably man in this in this small area maybe once every other week damn you get shot or killed or and um and there's not a lot of people here you know and and it's just the fact that they're there you know their people are drinking and they got guns with them and and um, or they're doing drugs or you know we we had a this was uh a, the area had a problem with meth a while back and now it's um you know, other stuff. I mean, there's still people still doing drug deals. I mean, Montana is a, has legalized marijuana and you can buy all the marijuana you want, but, um, people still try to steal it. Same here, bro. Same. <laughs> Which yep. is just, I'm like, you know, there's, there's, there's in this little, you know, area of like 60,000 people, there's probably 50 weed stores and they're constantly <laughs> people trying to break into mm-hmm. them crazy bro no matter how much security they got you can grow your own you know if you want it bad enough i mean geez you know you can go there and buy the seeds you know and in you know in three months you know you can probably have more than you'll ever want Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to sell it anyway because it's so cheap Mm -hmm. a lot of competition right so uh that i don't get you know i don't get so I had one podcast that I did, um, and this gentleman was, was in the air force and, um, you know, you could, you could check out my podcast and you could figure out who it is, but he did, uh, he worked at, um, several missile silos, uh, east of great falls, Montana. And, um, you know, he, you know, experienced a lot of things and there's a lot of lore and story about, 
um, people seeing different things and, and, you know, associated with all those missile silos. You know, I grew up in an area just, just a few minutes South of me where there's, there's missile silos, you know, out in the field. I think that there's some in Arizona too. Yeah. I think they, had the, right. they had the Minuteman or Titan missile silo, that one by Phoenix that you can actually visit and um, tour it, which is really cool. But um, anyway, we, we had the Minuteman silos up here and, and they still exist. And, and um, even on I-15, which runs from Canada all the way down to South LA, it's um, you can, they're right along the highway. So, you know, for me, it, growing up next to one, it was just like, you know, didn't think anything of it, but it's pretty amazing to think about what's underground right there. The bar is open. Sit back, grab a cold one, and get ready for the news you didn't even know you needed. From the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. Lock the doors and close the blinds. Break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for Happy Hour News. The danger behind it, you know, huge amount, you know, and there's stories that it, I don't, it wasn't in Arizona. I don't remember where it was. Could have been in Kansas where there's the story about the gentleman who um, was with the air force and they were working on a, on a, I think it was a minute man. And um, you know, they're not, they're not bulletproof. These missiles are lightweight, you know, made of nothing. And, when they um, launch them, some of them, I'm not sure how they do it, but some of them, they, um, they have sprinklers in there to, to deaden the sound because literally, I mean, they, they blast off at a hole in the ground, which would just seemingly tear them apart, but somehow they figured that out. And uh, anyway, this guy's up top and he's got all these tools. And I think it was like a really heavy giant crescent wrench and he dropped it down there. And, and I think how it went was he um it broke a hole in the in the and it's liquid fuel so so yeah there's this liquid fuel coming out of which either it's either hydrogen peroxide some sort of and and um oxygen i think there's a combination of that and i don't know i'm probably telling the story wrong anyway it was it was a huge deal you know and and what should have happened was this rocket exploded and its warhead goes flying up in the air somewhere and, you know, you know, 50 yards or, you know, half a mile away and lands in a field, but it, that didn't happen. And, um, there's been a lot of near misses, you know? Oh my God, man. Oh my God. But, uh, somebody was looking out for him. (laughs) Anyway, this dude that, that I did the podcast with, he, um, I interviewed him and he, you know, he, he was basically underground in missile silos that were shut down by, by lights in the sky that they had no explanation for. Yeah. I remember that episode. Um, so I think it's pretty credible. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I question a lot, but then again, it's one of those things that I, I can't figure out what, 
what happened. I mean, it's it's documented that the, the silos were shut down. And this has happened a lot, right? It's not just right. like a couple incidents, right? Right. And um, so, yeah, it was, so Maelstrom is a huge, well, it's not huge, but it's a, a large um, missile silo east of, um, just basically right on the outskirts of Great Falls, Montana, which is in central Montana, about 130 miles south of the the, the border. Um, the man's name is, is Robert Salas. He's, he's the one who I interviewed and he was stationed there. And, uh, I, I don't recall how long he was stationed there, but, um, yeah, it was quite remarkable and he had you know, a good career. Um, there was a little town where he was, where he was um, working that night. It's uh, near Roy, Montana, and there's gotta be only a hundred people there. And, um, so somebody had, had messaged them down in the silo that there was, there were strange lights in the sky. And, um, then they, he got called again and, and, uh, by a person who was really frightened. And he said that he was looking right at the object and it was a glowing red object, oval shaped. And it was like 40 feet in diameter and it was hovering at the front gate of the, the missile silo. And if anybody's ever seen these missile silos in Montana, they're basically, um, you know, you, you could be going, driving down a country road and just look off to your right. And there's a big, um, fence out there. And it's usually, I'm going to say about, it's not a hundred yards by a hundred yards. It's smaller than that, but it's a, it's a chain link fence. And I suppose that they're eight feet tall. And, and then each corner, there's what looks like a black pipe out of the ground, a big black pipe with kind of a hood on it. And that's, I think it's radar of some sort for whatever reason, maybe security. And, um, so I think how it works is there's a, there's a command center that's linked to several, um, silos that contain, you know, rocket powered nuclear bombs. And, um, so they, uh, so they have the ability to, to, um, launch these from, you know, a certain amount of of different silos from, from one common place. But, um, yeah, that was, that was like 50 years ago when that happened in 1966. Damn. So, um, and that wasn't the only time. So that that's, that's one of the things where you have a, you know, military that are reporting that and it's, it's, um, not uncommon and, um, you know, there's no explanation and the, the U S air force doesn't provide any explanation. So it's strange. Yeah, and these guys are risking their jobs, you know, saying these stuff, you know, like right, right. But I think what you know what made that different was the fact that, you know, that that uh, you know they're using a computer system back then that was that's kind of likened to a calculator that we have right now, a solar powered calculator, which really has not a lot of <laughs> power for a computer system, and and um, you know they they report you know, security guards are reporting something that's happened up above. And then, and then these are taken out electronically down below and they're, they're just taken offline. Um, whatever, you know, the, I don't know what kind of computer this is and whatever it is, they have to reboot the system and, and, you know, bring everything back up to speed. And, and so, you know, and they have a certain, um, group of checklists that they go over and make sure everything works properly. And, 
So it's, it's interesting. You know, I don't know. Um, I do feel that, you know, a couple of people that have reported this and I'm not going to say who they are, were UFO enthusiasts prior and, um, we're interested in it, but, um, um, it's just amazing. I mean, we sent men to the moon, you know, we're launching nuclear missiles and, and blowing up nuclear bombs in Nevada and, and, um, we don't know shit about it, <laughs> you know, back then right. mean, For real. from like when we started producing those things and, you know, in the mid forties, it's like, we didn't, we haven't learned much since then. You're right. You're right. I mean, we we know how to make them bigger, you know, and, and more powerful and, you know, a bigger, more powerful explosion with a smaller um, vessel, but it's, uh, you know, as far as what we know about them, but um, there were, there were other reports too, um, to uh, about UFOs in that same general direction of that uh, same, Air Force Base, and um, there's a real famous one in the 50s where some a, a guy who was they had a baseball semi pro baseball team there, and one of the baseball managers or field managers or something like that had reported um, some weird stationary lights in the sky in the daytime, and um, which you know to me that kind of piques my interest a bit because you know it happened in the daytime and then you know, whole city are seeing these things in the daytime. And, um, yeah, there is an air air force base there and, and a lot of weird things, but, but in the daytime, I, that's some powerful lights. You don't hear about it, you know, in the daytime and it's interesting, but one of the interesting things that, that, um, too, about growing up there and, and, um, seeing that is, is one of the coolest things ever that I got a chance to see just had a, we, in my yard, um, my buddy across the street, you know, we we're young. We were probably freshmen in high school. We were, we got a, a basketball hoop. So we're putting up this basketball hoop on my garage and, um, it's daytime, you know, it's probably, it's probably around noon and it's super sunny and it's super bright out. You know, usually there's never a cloud in the sky there. And there was, um, you know, it was, it was pretty warm out, hot. And we just were putting up this thing. And, you know, I have these stories, these podcasts of this, this, this hum out in the prairie that I have heard, you know, and which was really scary to me as a kid. So I hear this rumble and kind of a hum from a long ways away. And I was like, oh man, you know, starting to get a little bit um, nervous about it. And it, then I could hear it's like an aircraft, but like no aircraft I've ever heard. It's like so loud. I mean, the ground is shaking. And um, so, and it's going to be coming over the garage and we're just like looking straight up and we know it's coming and whatever is there, it's going to come right over us. And it's um, the only thing that I could describe it as is, I mean, it, a huge silver Air Force plane. And it's refueling, which looks like a giant wing underneath it. So it's, you know, whatever that was back back then, whatever aircraft was that, you know, some sort of stealth fighter bomber, you know, and it was crazy. I mean, it was so loud and I bet you it was like 2000 feet above us and, you know, just perfect, perfect weather to see that. And, um, 
so yeah when they used to have um bombing runs like like mock bombing runs around there and we used to see b-52 bombers like you'd be out i i lived like out on the prairie you know it's really flat and you could like like in off in the distance in the daytime you could hear this rumble and you could see this big bright light and it's coming at you you know like a freight train in the sky and you can't really tell what it is and it gets like a few miles away from you and you can start to see wings and then just before right when you can see wings this b-52 you know this fortress just comes screaming over top of you like at 500 feet and um yeah that was cool that's amazing and there, and there were some other planes at that time that were doing and it was it was known and and they had published the fact in the paper that they were doing these but you know it, the fact until you saw the actual aircraft and what they were doing um, so that's you know really at that point in my life i was really more into that than than anything it was just really really interesting and unfortunately back then you know without the internet there wasn't a lot of research to be done and, and nobody was saying anything i had this method that i had worked out since i was about seven years old and how to call people um for free and we had a a party line phone and um i know i can't remember what's the word they use when they used to hack into these phones um for some reason it's not hitting me but you could click the the receiver and um the dial tone would go away and the operator would come on and um oh it's called phone freaking so people used to do that you could you could at one point click the the little you know in a rotary dial phone click the receiver um it would go dead or you could do it a certain amount of times and sometimes you get a dial tone and you could um what or so the operator would ask who you're trying to call and you'd say you know oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to i was trying to call this number and she'd put you through and you wouldn't get charged for it oh so people were doing that and then they were also making devices that made the actual um, dial tone and other tones in the phone because that's how the the switchboard would know what you're trying to do and how you're trying to place a call is is by sound so they could reproduce those sounds and they could basically do whatever they wanted on the phone for free now my my way was a little different and when i was writing the book that's what how it started was the fact that we had two phones in the house one was on the ground level and um and it worked just like a regular phone everybody's phone in every house and then the one upstairs was different it was a rotary dial phone but it had no dial on it you couldn't dial um basically you could answer the phone and um when the neighbor down the street when her phone would ring that phone would ring well Finally, we got to the point where my dad went inside of it and took the ringer out of it, took the bell out of it, but you could still hear it vibrate or doing whatever it was trying to, trying to do. And, and, um, once, and when she was calling on her phone, if she left, if, if she was on her phone long enough, our phone didn't work, but that never really happened because she really didn't talk to anybody or use her phone. But what would happen is her cat would knock the phone off and, um, it would play with the cord. And then our phones would be dead. So we'd have to go walk down there and tell her to hang her phone, damn phone back up because we didn't have a phone. But so when I picked it up, you know, one time it wasn't ringing 
and I was just messing with it. And for some reason, my parents were always like, it was a big deal. Don't mess with phone upstairs. Don't mess with phone upstairs. But because I think it was prob- probably because they really didn't understand how it worked and what the problem was. We just knew that it was problematic. So I picked that phone up and I would click it. And um, I, uh, you know, there was sometimes it would be a dial tone. Sometimes there'd be nothing sometimes. And then one time I'm listening, I'm a little kid. And um, I was like, who are you trying to call? A voice said it was a woman's voice. And I was like, I scared the shit out of me. And I, said, <laughs> I just said, Clarence Thomas. That's the only thing that came to mind. And um, I'm not kidding you. I can take that. And not long after that, I started messing with the phone. And um, as long as she would dial. So my buddy down the street, who are you trying to call? And I told her his name and she didn't. I need a number. So I gave her the number and then um, she dialed the number and I was able to talk to my friend down the street, even though that the phone didn't have a dial on it. The other time was um, I came home. I had gotten in a sledding accident where sledding and I was hurt. I had a big gash in my butt. I mean, like, Ouch. like I was bleeding profusely and, oh. and none, my parents weren't home and I thought my dad was home. So I went upstairs and he wasn't there and I was just, I was getting shocky and I didn't want to go downstairs. So I picked up that phone and I started clicking it and I told her who I needed to call. I didn't have the number where he worked. She finally found it and then called him. So then I, you know, started using it in different ways. And I have a little phone book. It's a little phone directory. It's about, it's not quite three inches tall by about two inches wide that I bought at a yard sale or the church rummage sale there down the street from us and um, put all these numbers that I would get, you know, as a kid, you know, and I would hear something like uh, the, the, a museum or the, 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 um, the, I can't remember the first one that I heard about, but in New York city. And so I clicked the phone and I asked about it, you know, I must've been about nine. It was just like me asking somebody that was like in the house, like, what is, you know, the, the, whatever of, of the Academy of Science in, in New York city. And they would say, um, Oh, I don't know, but here's the number. Oh, smart. And I would write it down and I'd write it down. Then I like a couple of times I, I just wrote it down. Cause we had a little notepad there. And then I wrote it down in my little book, which I still have. And then, um, later I call that if I had a question, you know, and I did that for like years. And then what happened? Then we had a, they changed our phone system over to some new thing where, you know, you could actually use the push button phones. So that didn't work anymore. So it was kind of short lived, but, um, that's smart. Probably would have turned into a criminal if I would have had more time time to, to use it. But, um, yeah, it was, I had a weird childhood. Yeah, man. I, I remember, um, you'd share about your childhood memories when you'd be in the basement and stuff like that. Like pretty crazy stuff. I hated the basement. Um, that was my bedroom. And, uh, the weird thing about that. So my buddy, I was telling you about, we're shooting baskets with, and that's when we're putting up the basketball hoop and saw the, the fueling. He, um, he bought that house. My parents moved here. I moved, moved, over on this side of the state and then they moved later over here because this is kind of the place everybody wants to be 
and um because it's mountainy and it's not the prairie out in the middle of nowhere type of thing but um he uh one sec where was i going with this um so he he actually sold or my parents actually sold their house to my friend <clears throat> so and i don't know how how long ago this was and i might have told you this before but um it wasn't it was less than it was around got to be around five years ago so he had a dog we never had a dog in that well we, there was a dog in that house once but um he uh he he called me on the phone and this dog is barking it's barking it's barking and it just won't quit barking you know and he kept going to different parts of the house and he get you hear the dog it's in the same place the same you know the volume gets goes up or down depending on where the house he is but finally he said yeah that damn dog you know ever since we got him he just stands there at the top of the stairs and that's all he will do when he's in the house is just bark down the stairs he won't go anywhere else now except stand at the top of the stairs and bark and they got rid of the dog but the door you know the door on that it's a bifold door where you go downstairs and on the back side of that door you look at it, it's a hollow core door and it's got scratch marks all the way through it like i mean literally a hole that's probably an inch wide by about 10 inches high of some well the dog that scratched there we had had a dog that um we were taking care of my uncle's dog you know for like three days once and we put him in the basement you know i and dogs will do this they'll try to get out and this dog just about went through the door and damaged that door <clears throat> well i had a cat and the cat wouldn't go down there, would not go downstairs. The cat loved me, wouldn't go downstairs. The cat was just getting crazier and crazier. I mean, just wide eyed around the house and, and just crazy, man. And uh, like one day I remember coming home and I was like, where's the cat? It must be outside. And sometimes the cat would be gone three, four days, which was odd because it liked to be away a long time, but then it would show back up. But um, I went downstairs to my bedroom and the cat's there and he's like literally in the, on the carpet in the middle of my bedroom and he's holding onto that carpet. Like I can't even get him. I can barely get him off the floor. The fuck? I mean, it's down there by itself, you know, and it went down there by itself and it's just glued to this carpet. It's got his claws just so deep into that carpet and it's muscles. He feels like a piece of a of, of fur covered rock because every muscle in him is just tight ripped, you know? And, and then we had this, this science um, class that you could do research in. It was pretty, pretty amazing um, opportunity when you're in high school. And I was in that. And one of the things I had some rats and um, a couple other people had rats too. So there's quite a few rats. And what happened was there's this big male it's funny because the male would get into the female, no matter how hard you tried to keep it away from the females or what you did. Hey everyone, quick message from Tucson's Rising Phoenix Fitness and Defense. Help treat anxiety and depression with martial arts training and education. Develop the confidence, skills, and fitness you need to stay safe. Our focus is real-world self-defense tactics practical and effective for everyone you can find them at 4500 
East Speedway Boulevard, number four, Tucson AZ 85712. Or you can call them at 520-838-1592. They are open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So hit them up. Learn martial arts, very therapeutic, and you can learn to kick ass and kick depression's ass as well. So um, hit them up. It would get in with the females, and then pretty soon, you know, there was a lot of rats. So a lot of kids took rats, <laughs> um, took these rats home, and they were really nice, gentle rats, super nice, really made great pets. And um, so one night I was there after school, and I had been out of the science room for quite some time, and I went in. What happened was that this rat would literally push the lid up and um, go over to the cage where the females were and pull the lid off. And then he would put it back. He went in there and he saw me. He jumped out and he pushed the lid back. What the hell? I mean, I could see him taking it off, but pushing it back like it, the way it was. It's so that smart. Was, that was bizarre. So anyway, I had I had like four rats. So I asked my parents if I could bring them home. Totally against it. And so I brought them home. And again, remember, we had this abundance of rats. So I took them down the basement. I had a fish tank that we had there and um, had it set up really nice. And, you know, it's not too cold, not too warm down there. It's dark. But, uh, um, I mean, within 10 days, they were dead. Like 10. So, But all of them. Like all of them. On the same day, they just died? or Yeah. And I don't remember if I came home. So then I got a couple more. The same thing. Now that's weird and that's disturbing. And that's really weird. You know, I, I'm a skeptic about a lot of holy things, shit about, about most things, but that was the, the weirdest, weirdest part. That's like a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. You know, like the beginning of one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like keep bringing animals home and they're freaking out. And um, so I really don't know what that is, and um or what that was and but um i couldn't leave there soon enough you know i couldn't that was my bedroom and you know when i went off to when i was done with high school i was just gone you know i wouldn't stay down there again mm-hmm. hell no damn man you have a you live a very interesting life well it's too much sometimes you know it's it's actually too much and that's that's what i always ask people like well why do some people experience all this shit and some people experience none and then um you know what is that what is that what does it mean you know and i want their opinion nobody ever knows but it's never you know no two stories are the same you know they're always different people see weird things and they're always you know they they see them differently and you know you you can talk to people who have who have met, met or experienced or seen 75 species aliens and you know yeah. one person who keeps talking to the same one all the time for 20 years and you know, people yeah. that don't believe at all and and never have had anything weird happen just had the most unremarkable life ever and um i don't know i don't know what that is you know i know our minds are not fixed you know i this was i know a person who uh is really interested and wants to um have a business growing um, psychedelic mushrooms, right? Nice. And uh, 
So, you know, he hasn't really, really, um, got his shit together and, and, uh, it hasn't really made the business yet and probably won't, but, uh, one sec here. Um, but, um, so he's, he's always researching this. And so it got me interested in it. And as far as the, how this, how this plays out and what, what this can do to your mind. And, you know, cause there's people out there who believe they're, 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 you know, can be part of a different universe or a different reality or different, mm-hmm. different, different, whatever, you know? And, um, so that, that interest, that part interests me. I'm not interested in, in the, the sale or, or what legalization of, of psychedelic, um, mushrooms. But one of the things that really, really, you know, made sense to me. And I saw, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about it. Oh, he's interesting. Yeah. And, um, he's talking about, and it was on the Joe Rogan show and Joe Rogan was show. Oh yeah. You know, we did DMT and we saw this and we saw that, you know, and, and, uh, we experienced this and we did, um, you know, all these different, different psychedelic drugs. And that's what they ended up talking about for a minute. And, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was very skeptical, but he made, he made sense. And he said, let me put it this way. You're dealing with humans and every human brain is so different. And, you know, the brain is unreliable. Look at all these, these weird tests that you can take. You can look at, look at pictures and, and two different people see two different things, or, or you can hear words on a recording and one person hears one thing and one person hears another, or you're witnessing a crime and, and you describe the perpetrator in detail, but it didn't, he didn't look like that at all. You know, a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Um, cause humans are dealing with a brain that doesn't even work. You know, it, it just, it just is, it's just on the borderline, just on the cusp of total failure. So when you inject some of these chemicals or, or a drug or whatever, and you experience these alternate reality, it doesn't take much of anything to uh, tip you, you know, stress, you know, whatever, you know? So anyway, that was, it was super interesting to me that he, he brought that up. And I do agree the fact that, yeah, the, the human brain is really effed. Um, oh, I've done DMT, man. And totally. seriously. Yeah. It was, well, it was crazy, bro. Like, so I smoked it and as soon as I hit it, like, boom, dude, it, it hit me instantly. And, um, it was very euphoric. Like I felt, you know, like, that sensation like when somebody kisses you on the forehead that like tingling sensation right but like that went throughout my whole fucking body like i don't know how to explain it like and then i just i passed out like so you didn't see a portal open with little blue guys um i saw like colors and shapes and stuff but i didn't like talk to god or anything but you're you're asleep the whole time you're like dreaming Right. Huh. Well, I, I recommend it. It was, it felt good. <laughs> so is that, is that like something that's available? Can you just go out and buy that? Um, It's very hard to get. 
um, you have to kind of like know somebody. Um, but it's getting more and more easier to get. Right. Because uh, DMT, if I remember correctly, it's a chemical that's in our brains and every living thing has it. Um, but it's only released when you die. Right. So your body thinks you're having a death experience. Your body thinks you're dead. And that's interesting too, because you know, <clears throat> the whole death experience, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when, you know, from what I've experienced to, um, seeing somebody die and then, um, it's just like, you know, this person can be in a coma and all of a sudden they just spring to life you know or mm -hmm. or they're just out of it and they they can't communicate and all of a sudden they can communicate they become talkative and you know for like five minutes and then they go but yeah some so something happens you know there's a release there and it's so and it doesn't take much I mean, it's it's a tiny amount mm -hmm. you know you think is a meaningless amount but there you go messing with you know the the structure and the chemical content of the brain is such a such a slippery slope but you can tip tip that so easy um right and you can even depend on your own memory sometimes you know like how people say that a uh, mandela effect right i think it's just your own memories that you, you know, and, they, they get and worked exactly and and it is like i believe it is like seeing you know a, a crime being committed and you know painting a totally different face on that person that totally different you know, and, and I can see that, you know, and it depends on how observant a person is, but being a forgetful person like I am, you know, it just, I think it happens a lot. When I was a kid, I remember having deja vu feelings. Yes. I still have those <laughs> like mind blowing ones. Like, wow. You know, yeah. Or, you know, I'd have dreams as a kid and, and, um, I remember seeing things that, um, like being in a movie theater and, seeing things like people and dressed in certain ways and, and um, doing things that I didn't know what that was, you know, didn't know what, what this was about, but, you know, understood later on that, yeah, different movie theaters have multiple rooms. Later on, I was in a movie theater in Minnesota. I remember it had a crying room and, um, and uh, you know, that's what I saw when I was a little kid, you know, Damn. I hadn't even been in a movie theater. That's crazy. I mean, and you know, when I was five, six, seven, eight years, I probably hadn't been in movie theater until I was like 10, maybe 11. That's so, crazy, man. So I don't know what that is. But then again, you know, I mean, your your brain could create just about anything. I mean, it's very powerful. And you could, you know, you can pretty much, you could pretty much end your own life by, by thinking things that, you know, they're, they're, you know, people that just, word themselves to death sure yeah or even you know like anxiety like all those thoughts like it's real in their head you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a tough one that's a tough one to be sorry for me and people who suffer from that but yeah it sucks mm -hmm. but um we're almost out of time man um where can people find your podcast um everything man right now it's uh you know just go to my website my alienlifepodcast.com and uh, my podcasts are available on um, everywhere that you listen to them. So it's called My Alien Life Podcast. Sometimes you have to type in you know, Google my name, Cameron Logan, as well as that. And it'll, it'll direct you there. It's easy to find. Um, 
plan on keeping it up and going for a little while longer. I'm not sure how I, this was a five-year plan and I'm over year three. So yeah, yeah man. And i um, keep up the green. I didn't, I, I didn't have anything planned after the year five. So I don't really know. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing, bro. Like I said, I listen all the time. Highly recommend it. And um, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you and keep doing what you're doing. You, you, put a totally different twist in, and that's why I listen to it because it's not like anybody else I've ever heard. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. It means a lot, man. Thank you. Take care. Good night. All right, you too. Peace. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just Google that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit you know what i mean and uh, yeah just check out my youtube and uh twitter it's at screaming chewy yeah not screaming chewy show i should change it to that but for now it's just screaming chewy and uh thanks again for tuning in see you next week peace